Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. We are continuing to celebrate nurses today. Nurses are the most trusted profession in the United States year after year on surveys done throughout all of the U.S., and they rate top in their profession, not just because of how they care for patients, but also because of the many leadership roles that they take on. And they are key players in the transformation of healthcare from a reactive to a more proactive preventative care approach. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the full spectrum of the nursing profession. We're going to start with education. We're going to move towards local community health, national public health, and then also take a global perspective. And I have some exciting guests with me this evening. I have Dr. Mary Boland. She is the Dean and Professor at the School of Nursing and Dental Hygiene at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. I also have Dr. Mary Oniha. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Waimanalo Health Center. Dr. Gloria Fernandez, she is a Quality Assurance Coordinator with the Hawaii State Department of Health in the Public Health Nursing Branch. And also Dr. Christine Qureshi. She is a Professor and Associate Dean for Research and Global Health at the School of Nursing and Dental Hygiene at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Thank you for joining me tonight, ladies. First, I'd like to talk with Dr. Mary Boland. Now, one of the things that I think is really important is if we are going to grow a profession of caregivers for the next generation, we need to start with the educational process and having people get excited to want to go into the nursing profession, but also having them see that there are opportunities here locally to learn in a multicultural environment that is fairly unique to to Hawaii. What are some of the initiatives and things that the School of Nursing is doing to make sure that we have the interest and the demand for the School of Nursing and the students to really take us forward and have people who will take care of me as I get older? The School of Nursing has more applicants than we can accept. The reputation of the school as well as the interest in Hawaii to join nursing is phenomenal. I I believe it derives from the aloha spirit. We have twice the number of men enrolled in our programs, as you see on the mainland. We get lots of applications from the continent, the mainland as well, students who want to come here and learn. I've talked with parents at graduation who said to me, this was a transformative experience for my child. At the same time, we recognize our responsibility to the state. We are a public, so we have a service mission as well as an education and research mission. We cannot be all things to all people, but I do believe over the years we've developed the programs um, that are key to meeting the health needs of people in Hawaii. So we offer the BS degree um, to students, most of them uh, coming right out of high school into nursing, do phenomenally well. Um, 100% first-time pass rate on their exams, which is something um, for them all to be really proud of. We also work really closely with the community colleges, and so their associate degree graduates can move right into Manoa and the online programs, get their bachelor's degree, which that bachelor's degree is so essential to enter practice today. And then we also recognize that there were groups of people who came to nursing maybe a little bit later in life. They had gone to college, had 
received a degree and something happened in their lives and they went, nursing, this is what I want to do. So we do a graduate entry program as well. And those students come in, they do an accelerated bachelor's degree, but then rather than graduating, they move on to become either master's degree students in population health, which is all about transforming primary care and and, uh, community health, or to be nurse practitioners in primary care, uh, family nurse practitioners, as well as adult gerontology. And that group graduates with their doctoral degrees in nursing. So the school contributes to building the nursing workforce at all levels. And we work really closely with all stakeholders, um, the commitment to moving beyond what's traditional, trying out new things. So academics like myself really have tight relationships with practice, which is our employers, as well as regulatory leaders who effectively um, create the future. One thing for us to educate nurses, but if they're not able to practice at the top of their license in Hawaii, which is where we want them to stay, then we've also done them a disservice. So we're very active in the policy arena as well. Do you see that there are some areas that we need to address? Looking at the policy, I know that nurse practitioners in the state of Hawaii are allowed to practice independently, and there are some initiatives to allow for, I think there's also an initiative to allow them to participate in the Our Choice, Our Care Act, or Our Care, Our Choice Act, the medical aid in dying. Are there other areas where you think we need to have a greater influence or ability of nurse practitioners to work to the top of that license that you talk about? One area where there's huge need um, is in behavioral health and mental health. This predated COVID, but COVID certainly has increased it exponentially. And having nurse practitioners who are educated to be primary care providers, but also have expertise, if you will, a subspecialty in mental health, because very few people, clients, patients, however you wanna refer to them, really have access to psychologists or psychiatrists who can prescribe medication. And they do go, however, to their primary care providers. And those individuals, um, we want them to really be able to meet all the needs, the holistic needs of the individual. The other area where COVID has brought to our attention, um, we certainly had curricula related to pandemics and public health, et cetera. But what we've increasingly realized is we've got to bulk that up. We've got to do more. And our school's already starting to address that but really understanding um, what happens in a crisis, in an emergency. Dr. Kreshi will talk more about that. That's really her expertise. We're so fortunate to have her at the school during this crisis. And also uh, social determinants of health, which you mentioned. I will say, however, that in Hawaii, social determinants as well as health equity are really ingrained in all of us. We we recognize um, the needs related um, to our host culture, if you will, our Pacific Island um, individuals who are not able to access in the same way um, that some of us with maybe insurance or higher quality insurance are. So we're very committed to that. We've also um, been working with Department of Education now for about seven years and actually have been able to add APRNs, nurse practitioners, um, to schools in high need areas which are um, usually urban, but certainly can be rural, such as Big Island. 
uh, and they are really making a difference, connecting with principals, connecting with families. During COVID, they started a hotline as well as telehealth visits. All of that's going to continue after COVID. Well, it certainly sounds like the educational opportunities are expanding in addition to the areas that the school is helping to focus on. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about the local community health centers and what role they have to play in helping to keep all of us healthy and safe. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we are talking today about nurses and the way in which they're helping to really transform the health care that we all receive now and into the future. We have just heard from Dr. Mary Boland, and she is involved as a dean and professor at the School of Nursing and Dental Hygiene at the University of Hawaii. And now we're going to be talking with Dr. Mary Frances Oniha. She is the Chief Executive Officer at Waimanalo Health Center. Now, Dr. Oniha, Where do you see the community health centers fitting into helping to provide some of the nursing care for our public right now and also into the future? Oh, Jack. So I think nurses play a pivotal role uh, in the community. You know, community health centers provide access to health care regardless of a person's ability to pay. So they serve as a safety net for the underserved communities and populations in delivering uh, primary care. Uh, the health centers also deliver dental services, behavioral health, eligibility, and outreach. There are 15 community health centers uh, in the state, seven on Oahu. So nurses, for example, at Waimanala Health Center uh, deliver direct patient care, uh, supervise staff delivering that care, uh, certainly during COVID, uh, pandemic, they did COVID testing, COVID vaccination, and then many organizations, um, as with myself, they've also been instrumental in assisting with connecting patients to telehealth and helping to provide education on how to connect an electronic device to telehealth and how to conduct a telehealth visit with their provider. I think there are many more opportunities in communities and across health centers for nurses to have an impact. Now, you mentioned that there's 15 community health centers throughout the state. Seven are localized right here on Oahu. Do you see that there's a lot of coordination and integration between all of the community health centers to work together to address certain population challenges? There are. So I think as community health centers, you know, we do have uh, an association, the Hawaii Primary Care Association, that allows us to come together and to address various topics, to advocate at a policy level, to understand and share best practices, uh, to understand what we're doing with each of our populations. Each of us serves a very unique and distinct community. So as we say, once you see one health center, you've seen one health center. That sounds great because you're right. They're in different areas and the community they may serve would be reflected in the health center itself. So that's very true. Once you've seen one, you've you've really only seen one. Now, with that coordination, 
I'd like to talk with Dr. Gloria Fernandez because you're working at the state level. And so that's sort of coordinating the efforts, not just of the community health centers, but of all the health centers to try and really focus on what are we doing here for the state and how can we expand some of the health care opportunities that we have here to keep this growing health care workforce staying in the islands. Dr. Fernandez, when you think about the, the Department of Health, what are some of the challenges that you see that have occurred over the last year or so? And how does that integrate with some of the great work that our community health centers have really tried to step up to do? Some of the challenges that we saw within the last year really did center around COVID-19. So we saw the, the behavioral mental health concerns that were coming out. Um, access to health care services for those that were uninsured or underinsured, um, access to medications, of course, um, testing for COVID-19. Um, so with these challenges, what we have seen with the community health centers have been that capability or ability to provide the needed services um, based on the community's needs. And it's not just with the access to health service, which they do a wonderful job at doing, um, or connecting someone to, for insurance or not turning anyone away that doesn't have medical insurance. But it's also about the counseling and the consultation. It's about the mental health services that our community health centers have available. And as Dr. Um, Oneha has said, even dental services that are there, they look at providing these services, which I think in the last year was really, really important with COVID-19, and services being offered in um, the primary language of the patients um, that, that attend their health centers within the state. They look at the food security and the housing security also, and they have either a referral system or a system in place at their community health centers that have been great on connecting those when we're talking about those that um, social determinants of health um, that need that extra push or that extra bit of services to be able to put them in a home or be able to connect them so that they have food to eat. Um, This past year has been very um, challenging for all of us. But I think collectively working with the University of Hawaii, um, the nursing students who have also helped throughout COVID-19 and helped us with some of the challenges with staffing uh, at our clinics um, and providing education in the communities has been great on trying to meet some of these challenges uh, using a culturally appropriate approach for our patients and communities. Well, it seems like the one thing that I'm hearing echo with each one of you thus far is the real need to expand some of the behavioral health service opportunities, ways in which people can have their needs met, not just because they need a prescription, but rather looking at some of the behavioral health issues, the mental health concerns. This past year, I know with the COVID pandemic, there's been a dramatic increase in the use of mental health services, particularly using some of the telehealth opportunities, really because people have been feeling the stress and the struggle and have really been having either their own financial stress because of losing a job or not 
being able to provide for their family. And that's only increasing what we're seeing as part of the, the what we call the new effort, which I think is kind of ironic, looking at social determinants of health. I think all of you could probably attest to the fact that from the very first day you started nursing school, some of these issues about food security, housing security, uh, language and understanding have always been some of the pillars in the nursing community in what they're trying to do to address patient care. So it certainly sounds like there's there's quite an effort to address this behavioral health need. I find... You know, boy, going back to what Dr. Boland said at the top of the show, looking at the potential for subspecialty opportunities for nurse practitioners to have that extra mental health background because of the needs that are in our local community. I think that's a unique way to really address one of the shortages. I'm curious, Dr. Fernandez, where do you see the Department of Health in the future, how can the the State Department of Health really focus on helping to take a proactive approach for the health care of the people of Hawaii? Because I think sometimes all too often we in general in medicine have a reactive approach where you have a diagnosis. So now we go in and try and help you. But I think we need to we need, certainly need to invest a lot more in a proactive preventative approach. What are the areas that you think are going to be important as time goes on? Um, speaking to the nursing portion from the Department of Health, some of the areas that I think we will need to begin to, and not necessarily begin, but continue our work and look at different ways or methods of delivering these services, um, is that one of the things that our public health nurses are really good at, and all nurses are good at, and you mentioned at the beginning, at the beginning is that we look at those social determinants of health, and our Department of Health also does that. We try our best to meet people where they are, where they live, where they work, where they go to school, and Dr. Boland has brought up some of those things with um, DOE, the Department of Education, and having nurses available in school areas. One of the things that we're great at at, as nursing and those that do population-based services, health services, is that we, we do have these leadership qualities and abilities uh, to connect communities and people with services, government services, uh, non-government services. Uh, and we, we have this ability to work alongside people and populations, learn how to regain their trust. We understand what their culture is. Um, even within our department, to be able to work with them to, to how should I say this, um, have them direct their care and tell us what they feel uh, will help them to achieve better health in the long run through the generations. And so it has always been, you know, part of what we do as nurses. And I know that our programs within the Department of Health do strive to be able to connect with people where they're at. Um, we Empowering also at, patients you know, that, go ahead. right where they are. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to empower not just those of us who live here in the islands, but what can we do about a global approach? And how can what we learn here, right here at home, help people throughout the entire world? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. 
Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you are listening to our tribute to the nurses this week. It is actually Nurses Week slash Nurses Month, and what we've been talking about today are the various approaches on how we can grow the expertise of that community, starting at the school education level, moving toward the community health level. We have just heard from Dr. Gloria Fernandez from the Hawaii State Department of Health. And now I'm pleased to talk with Dr. Christine Qureshi. You are last but definitely not least because you are the professor and associate dean for research and global health. So with all of the information that we've decided or discussed earlier today, there's a bigger issue at hand here, and we need to figure out ways to address things, not just for ourselves here at home, but in a global perspective. What has been your area of emphasis with some of the research that's happening right now in the global community, and how can Hawaii continue to play a very large role in that? Okay, well, there on a global level, there are more than 28 million nurses. So, and it makes up about 60%. It's the largest segment of the healthcare workforce globally. So nursing, obviously, is a very important um, segment, um, although it takes all parts of the um, whole to actually get a good health system. So the, um, the key organizations that drive nursing globally are, one is the International Council of Nursing. It's based in Geneva, Switzerland, and it has about 140 countries. Nursing associations are represented there. It's an, an organization of organizations. And the ICN is, works right side-by-side uh, side with the World Health Organization to actually monitor the pulse of nursing. Um, well, WHO monitors the pulse of the health, of the world, and the ICN monitors the pulse of nursing in its capacity to um, be fully engaged in health across the globe. So um, working together, these two entities um, just put out a very important report last year called the State of the um, um, Nursing Workforce in the World 2020. And that's a very, very important document. Unfortunately, the, uh, I guess, well, no, actually, fortunately, the world really is a global village. So anything that happens in one country really has um, an absolute potential to impact um, another country halfway across the globe. A lot of that is related to the ease of travel. In one moment, you could be in Hawaii and a few hours later you could be in Asia or actually in Europe. But um, we're also connected economically um, so that if um, there's an economic devastation in Europe, it impacts the United States. Um, impact, uh, economic devastation in the U.S. impacts Europe, Asia, and Africa. So we really are fully connected. And nursing, because it actually touches the lives of people across the span. When you are born, you are swaddled by a nurse and handed to your, and handed to your mother. 
And when you die, frequently a nurse is there holding your hand, um, handing you off to their family. So nursing is connected to people throughout the life as it um, supports wellness, um, treats people when they're sick, and helps people as they recover. So it's important that we understand what are the key issues for nursing across the globe and then um, engage in strategies to address them. One of the things that I think is a huge challenge is even just looking at basic public health opportunities in different countries. You know, I think the needs for people in Hawaii may be slightly different than the needs for people in other communities. And in fact, in some cases, it may just be a lack of access to clean water and sanitation, you know, some of the truly basic areas that hamper the efforts of the medical community, the nurses, the doctors, to everybody, the the caseworkers, to really do much if people don't have the basics. You know, I wonder if, as we move forward, are there initiatives and ways that we can all work together as a global community to try and do what we've talked with some of our earlier guests to do, meet people where they're at, empower people to work on health issues that are most important to them. How can we translate Mm -hmm. this to more of a global effort to provide the basics for everyone and then expand on that based on what the needs are of the community? Well, there are... um multiple programs that engage nursing in this type of work. There are um, nurses from across the globe that exchange um, technical expertise with each other, and nurses from developed countries go to developing countries and bring some of their knowledge and skills and resources there. But while they're there, they actually learn from people in developed countries how to do things with less. We learned the hard way in this past, uh, well, in this current COVID-19 epidemic, we actually learned from developing countries how do you contain um, the spread of pathogens without having uh, everybody wearing an N95 face mask, how to make a face mask at home, et cetera, um, how to use UV light and natural, natural sunlight for high-level disinfection, Um, People in other parts of the world have been doing this for years. So I want to be, you know, very clear that it's through an exchange of information from nurses as well as people across the globe. Um, We learn um, the special knowledge that each group has, and doing that, we sort of help improve things. On a global level, the International Council of Nurses and the WHO has... um, devoted significant efforts towards building the leadership skills and capacity for nursing to be sure that nursing is at the policy table because nursing understands the social determinants of health. And one of the hallmarks of nursing is it's a nursing serves as an advocate for the population and for the population's health. So by having nursing in these key leadership positions and positions where there's power and influence, they can actually then advocate and affect um, better living conditions for individuals, which is the hallmark of good health, promoting good health. As you said, clean air, clean water, steady source of food supply, a safe environment um, from, um, you know, trauma, um, um, crime, um, et cetera. When those things are all in order, um, people just have healthy lives, and nurses are very good advocates for that.
Well, and you brought up a really good important point, which is the exchange of information that particularly with, you know, making face masks, this was something that other countries may have the the knowledge and ability to do that we've never been challenged to do that before. And yet here we are looking at ways in which, you know, we need to go back to even learning what we used to do when cloth gowns were in, in vogue and they didn't have disposable everything with medical supplies. I certainly I want to thank each of you for sharing your expertise with us today. We heard from Dr. Mary Boland, from Dr. Mary Oneha, from Dr. Gloria Fernandez, from Dr. Chris Koreshi. We traveled through education, local community health, national public health, and global health with my four outstanding guests this evening. And I want to thank all of you for sharing your information with us. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. See you then.